Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your guest co-host, Andrew Gombas. Today, we're going to be recapping the year of 2022 in the UFC. It's finally behind us. I mean, a lot to cover. Andrew, welcome to Half the Battle. Thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to recapping a fun year. Oh, so am I. I mean, just for everyone that's tuning in, we're going to talk about, you know, the obvious ones, the KOs of the years, the fight of the year, you know, this and that. But then we're going to also go a little bit off the cusp, whether it's rookie of the year, which I think is something cool to talk about. The, the We're going to introduce for the very first time the Jay Perrin Jobber of the Year Award and the Derek Minner Stunt of the Year Award, as well as talk about our best and worst bet of 2022 lots to discuss so without further ado andrew let's get right down to business because the first category is the knockout of the year and i have a feeling that we're gonna agree on our top pick but before we get to that topic just to give like you know some shine to some other great knockouts that have taken place uh in, in 2022 i mean firstly you know I love that Jamal Hivers Johnny Walker knockout. I mean, I, when was the last time you saw a reaction like that on a knockout? Just the way he fell um, was truly something. There was that. Also, Chandler and T. Ferg. I mean, look, I know T. Ferg. I know Ferguson's not in the best point of his career right now, but no one's ever front kicked him in the face to the point where we were thinking, like, they're going to have to bring out the stretcher. They're going to have to bring out the smelling salts, you know? It was looking pretty bad in there. I like that a lot. I love the way Arnold Allen turned up on Dan Hooker and just, you know, people are saying, oh, he's just a decision guy. Oh, I'm just a decision guy. Well, now I'm going to blitz Dan Hooker, who is a dangerous long striker with like a 50-strike combination and see how he responds. I love that. I also love the way Carlos Olberg handled Nigu Mariano, uh, hit him with a nasty uh, jab. And then as uh, Nigu Mariano was trying to close the distance, Carlos Olberg took a step back and and clocked him with a clean left hook that that was just that's just beautiful technique but you know the number one you know what it is i know what it is the fans know what it is and it was the night that leon edwards head kicked kamaru uzman and goddamn, i mean like that was just an epic knockout just the drama of leon won the first round loses the next three rounds comes down to this final round and uh Man, he put a stamp on it, and now, as a result, he's on his victory tour, and he wins my uh, knockout of the year. Yeah, I I can't disagree with you there. For me, it came down to two knockouts. I had to go with Edwards over Usman because of the implication of it. He was down in a five-round fight for the title. Sweet head kick, out cold. I would give second place to Michael Chandler's knockout over Tony Ferguson back in May. That front kick to the face was just incredible. So those those were number one and number two for me. But have to go with Leon Edwards, left head kick, put his lights out, implications as high as they could possibly be. So I think that's a clear choice for number one. And everybody in the chat, just let us know y'all's thoughts. You know, if you disagree, you agree, something we missed, let us know. Um, next up, the submission of the year. So I have a feeling that we might have the exact same submission of the year. Like Andrew and I have not discussed who our winners are for this. We've just discussed the category, so I don't know who he's going to pick. He doesn't know who I'm going to pick. I just have a feeling we're going to pick the same ones. But I, I have a feeling for this one, I'm going to surprise you, though. Okay, I look forward to that. So. Mm -hmm. The first couple, the, these this isn't number one for me, but 
you know, obviously Islam versus Charles. I mean, how can you not give, I mean, to submit, I know Charles got submitted a lot back in the day, but still to submit the number one submission artist in the history of the sport and to do it for a belt and to get a quick tap, no less. I mean, that was, that's gotta be top five. You know, which, you know, what's one I was underrated that I really liked. I loved the way Pantoja just walked down. Alex Perez gave zero fucks about anything he brought to the table and just strangled him. I mean, like there was no resistance whatsoever. And Alex Perez, I mean, I know he's said, you know, he, he's, he's, he's been submitted once or twice, but like no one's ever walked him down like that. Like even he even had a moment or two against Davison and against Pantoja. There was no moments. Pantoja was a man on a mission and he just walked him down and got him out of there. That was one I really liked. Um, Aspinall and Volkov. Man, Aspinall looked amazing that night, man. I mean, like, he's out here hitting blast bubbles on Volkov, inside trips, and then sets up a nasty straight armbar, which is something we probably haven't seen since, like, the Frank Mir or Noguera days in the heavyweight division. So that was nice. Most recently, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Like, goddamn, like, you're getting absolutely worked, and you come back and you find that nasty guillotine, the kind of guillotine you don't escape from. I love that, but of course, my number one is the former now, you know, UFC light heavyweight champion, Yuri Prohaska, submitting Glover. I mean, we're going to talk about our fights of the years, but like, you know, I went on my show, I went on record like, look, I know Yuri can knock him out. I know maybe he can hurt him and win, you know, the better the exchanges win a decision, but like, Yuri ain't about to submit Glover. Like, we could write that possibility off. And then he goes out there and submits Glover with a rear naked choke, uh, you know something that Glover's been tapping people out with for years. So, yeah, that's my submission of the year, Yuri Prohaska over Glover. That, that's a solid one. It's hard for me to sh- to go away from that one. But in terms of pure comeback, I really liked Cody Brundage over Dolchil and Jim Bula just because he was getting his ass kicked so bad and it looked like the ref could have stepped in. His body language was terrible and then he just locked up that guillotine. And so maybe in terms of like, pure BJJ skill that wasn't the best submission, but in terms of just comeback improbability, I, I love that one. So I'm going with Cody Brundage over Dolce. I like that one too, because I have like a soft spot for the guillotine. Um because like basically what happened to um Cody Brundage and what happened to Saeed, like just getting your ass whooped and then pulling it out your back pocket with like whether it's 10 seconds left or whether whatever the case may be. I, as a jujitsu guy myself, like I, I just love that shit because I can relate. Like, dudes will be fucking whooping my ass, and like you just find that hail mary, and oftentimes it happens to be a guillotine. So I always have a soft spot for that. So definitely respect that pick. Fight of the year, I alluded to it, and you know we can talk about the Chimaevs versus Burns, which you and I were actually in attendance for. Andrew, um, are you are you frozen? By the way. Um, your facial expression is uh, frozen. I believe he's frozen. I, I ain't the frozen one, right? Y'all let me know in the chat. It's definitely him, right? But uh, oh, you're back. You're back now, Mister Gombas. Oh, it's all good. We'll let him. We'll let him figure out his his thing real quick. I'm I'm a uh, remove him real. Can quick. you hear me? Okay. Yeah, now I can hear you. you Sorry you, about that. You're all good. So, what I was doing is I was trying to pull up the records of all the people I wanted to talk about. And I think I just like overloaded my uh, Internet Explorer, but I'm exed out now. So we should we should be all good. Sorry about that. Damn, my boy's still using Internet Explorer. It's almost 2023 or Chrome Chrome. <laughs> OK, OK. All right. All right. Yeah, we'll give you a pass. So I use Chrome, too. But uh, listen, like I said, we could talk about the 
the Chimaevs or Burns, which actually you and I were in attendance for. You know, uh, I got to meet you that day in Florida. I had a great time. So that was a great fight. There's been a couple other good ones here and there. But I just, man, that Yuri versus Glover fight was just something that, because like going into it, it was always about how like, okay, well, on the feet, you know, uh, Yuri's got the edge. If it hits the mat one time, Glover's going to submit him. And like it went through literally every worst case scenario for Yuri. I'm talking about a locked in arm triangle choke. And you saw that escape that Yuri had with that arm triangle. That was absolutely nasty. Every time he got full mounted, he was able to expertly use the cage, push off, uh, reverse position. Um, and then we talk about how, well, on the feet, it would be Yuri rocking Glover, which he did rock him at times, but Glover rocked Yuri too. And people like to talk about, oh, he shouldn't have gone for that guillotine, which I disagree. The reason why I disagree is because a minute after he went for that guillotine, Glover was in full mount. So it's like the guillotine didn't cost him shit. He still ended up where he wanted to go in the full mount. But Yuri was able to reverse that. And then he tapped him out. So to overcome what he overcame in that fight and to submit the man he submitted with the credentials, I mean, most submissions in light heavyweight history, serious black belt, Yuri Prohaska submission of the year. Yeah, so um, and, oh, five fight of the year. I meant. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, that was just a fight to your point where people were saying going into it, either Yuri's going to knock him out or Glover's going to take him down and submit him. It didn't seem like it was one of those fights that could play out over five rounds, which it did. And it was just so back and forth. Glover was getting the best of them. They hurt each other. They took each other down. They ended up on top of, the, of each other. They both had submission threats. And then it ended up being a fifth round submission for Erie, which was probably like fourth or fifth round. Uh, fifth. Fifth round submission, which was probably the least likely outcome anyone would have predicted going into that fight. It was a fifth round submission for Yuri. So I think it's impossible not to pick that one. Second for me, another one you touched on would be Chamaya versus Burns. We were in the building for that one. The atmosphere was incredible. They just fought at such a crazy pace. Chamaya brings it from the opening bell and answered a ton of questions about his cardio, about his heart, about how he can deal with adversity. So that's number one and number two for me. So Tristan says Saeed Nurmagomedov over Cody Stammen. W- w- uh, was, was that this year? Yeah, I believe so. Let me double okay. check. So he's got two slick guillotines this year. Yeah. I yeah. Think... Yeah, that was in January. So that was the card where Gon fought in Ganu. Okay. When we get to the best bets, we'll, 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 we'll go over that. But yeah, uh, Saeed, man, like right when you think you got this guy beat, you know, you get careless leaving that neck in there. I mean, it's just like those long man limbs. Cause when you're talking about, you know, he's a former flyweight, right? And now you said what? That's crazy. Yeah. Like you fought Justin Scoggins in his UFC debut and that was at flyweight, which is crazy. And then he moves up to 35s. He's a fucking big 35, man. Like this kid is no small 35er. And you saw in this last fight, the frame that Saeed Nurmagomedov has, I was like, God, damn, he looked a way class bigger than Saeed Yacoub and just his ability to snatch that neck from anywhere, no matter how bad the fight's going. It, but it's not just a traditional guillotine. It's kind of that long man guillotine. Some call it a ninja choke. It was, it was devastating. All right. So fighter of the year. And at first I wasn't sure, but then it, then, you know, the light bulb went off and I only had one option for this category, but I'll let you go first. I'm curious if we got the same guy. Yeah, my fighter of the year is Alex Pereira, 3-0, became the champ, finished Israel Adesanya in a sick fight. 
Um, I think he went from – did he go from unranked to champ this year? I mean, he definitely wasn't in the top 10 at the beginning of this year, if I remember so, correctly. So was his fight against Michaelitis this year or last year? The Michaelitis one was in November of last year, and then he fought – hang on, let me just pull it up. He went Michaelitis to Bruno to Sean to the title. Yep, and the Bruno, Sean, and Adesanya ones were this year. So 3-0, and two finishes, one of the most spectacular – championship wins that i can remember in recent memory for me that's an easy one uh, he had so many question marks about him going into this coming from the kickboxing background it's how will he hold up in the grappling how will his cardio be in the later rounds to go from being down 3-1 against adesanya to finishing him in that fifth round prayer is my fighter fighter of the year for sure yeah and i agree he's my fighter of the year as well i mean it's just insane like to transition from a completely different sport, which he was great at that other sport, but still like, you know, like we always talked about how when he fought Adesanya in kickboxing, well, Adesanya rocked him, but they gave Pereira the eight count and this and that. And it's just crazy how like this guy, when he came back and finished Adesanya twice. Like bo both of those were comeback wins. And like, it looked like Adesanya was the better fighter, but it just didn't matter at the end of the day. And, not only that, you also saw some other elements of his game. You saw him go in there with a blast double leg on uh, Israel Adesanya, which I did not expect. Um, and he got he got awarded his brown belt. So, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, he's about to Glover to share these dudes, but at least, like, you're seeing improvements, and he's taking all areas of the game seriously. And then that's what a champion should do. So, yeah, I'm pretty damn impressed with our champion, and I think it's a no-brainer for the, the fighter of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. He, um, he answered a lot of questions. He achieved the biggest thing. He achieved the biggest accomplishment you can make in the UFC, which is becoming the undisputed champ, which very, very few people do. So shout out to him. And out of curiosity, look, obviously he hasn't defended the belt. He hasn't been in the sport that long, but just like in terms of combat sports athletes, where does he rank? Cause you look at a guy like Cejudo, right? Olympic gold medalist, one belt in two way classes in MMA, right? But now you see a guy like uh, Pereira, who he's a glory double champ, right? Like, and and now he's a champion, you know, the UFC. So two sport world champion, like that's it's pretty fucking serious, man. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to win a belt in either one of those sports, let alone win two belts in one sport and then another belt in another. It's seriously impressive that you have to put him very high up in the conversation, in my opinion. I've been loving the memes about how, like, well, Israel's about to go try something new, and Alex is like, you know, hold my beer, you know? So <laughs> It's funny. Yeah, they've all been pretty good. All right, so let's see what else we got. The breakout fighter of the year. So this is someone that's, like, been – paying their dues for a while but 2022 was the year that they really shined and they really took things to the next level who do you think it is i've got uh sergey pavlovich is mine um sergey obviously we just saw him knock out tai tuivasa before that he knocked out Derek lewis and before that he knocked out shamil abdurakimov so three and oh in 2022 three first round knockouts it, for me, that one's my breakout fighter of the year. He's a guy who I, I always thought had power. I always thought he was a, a decent heavyweight, but this year he went in there and knocked out three guys in the first round. I mean, four years removed from kind of looking not too great against Alistair Overeem. For me, he was my breakout fighter of the year. He hits like a freaking truck, and he really answered some questions that I had about him because 
I was like, all right, he's fighting Ty, a guy who has leg kick upside, a guy who has power himself, a guy who's fought better competition. He went out there, he walked right through him. So, I mean, I mean, some people see that and they say, oh, you know, well, the fight didn't get extended. Pavlovich is not going to be in a lot of fights that get extended. So he, he's my breakout fighter of the year. But I'm curious, to, I'm curious to hear what your opinion is because I know there are a few good candidates. Yeah, for sure. My boy, sparring with reality, Pavlovich, garden of life, uh, fruits and vegetables, supplements, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but what I love about Pavlovich is like now we get to see what he's all about because now you're going to get the Curtis Blades. Now you're going to get, I think, despite Aspinall's last fight, I think he's legit too. Not to mention there's been talks the last two years, but there's still been talks about John Jones coming in a heavyweight. I want to see that. You still got the steep Miocic's up there. And not to mention the king of kings, Francis Ngannou. So, I mean, we're really going to find out what this man, Pavlovich, is all about. And another guy who we're going to find out what he's all about is my breakout fighter of the year. And that's Bilal Muhammad. This is a guy who is consistently counted out. He's always the underdog. And he doesn't just squeak by these wins. Like, there might be decisions, which he gets uh, criticized for. But look at the guys he's fighting, man. The guys he's fighting are really tough to finish. And a lot of these fights, he's getting in spots to finish. Like against Wonder Boy, he, it could have been a first-round TKO. Herb Dean wasn't having it that night for whatever reason. But um, it's not like he's not beating these guys up. And he started this year, I think, outside the top 10 and ended the year in the top five. So that means that who he's going to fight in 2023 it's going to be the Colby Covingtons. It's going to be the Chemaevs. It's going to be the Usmans. It's going to be the Gilbert Burns. There's not going to be anymore like well if he fights this guy then roo, roo, roo. now it's gonna be like hey we're gonna find out what the deal is how good this guy can truly be because what i've always loved about him i mean take away the bias of the fact that he's always the underdog and he always wins and if you bet Bilal muhammad every single fight you will profit long term but now they'll talk about you know okay he's done good with the guys he's been dealt but how how how's he going to do against, you know, these upper echelon guys aren't just skilled. They're supreme athletes, too. Right. Like D1 wrestlers, D2 wrestlers. Uh, Usman wasn't even a D1 wrestler. What was he? D2, D3? D2. Yeah, he's a D2 national champ. Yeah. Um, but, but wasn't he also like training at the Olympic Training Center or something like that? Yeah, he was um, he was on the senior circuit after he um, after he graduated college. I'm pretty sure there's a good one. Good match of him versus Duran Win. I think. Okay. Oh man, it's been it's been a while, but I have a memory. I I think Duran Win might have pinned him. Let me look that up really quick. Keep going. Yeah, so I think that I think this guy Bilal has a chance to actually fight for a title in in twenty twenty three. I know that sounds like a foreign concept to a lot of people, but I think hey, take your bitterness aside that you've been losing on him every single time and start to get on the train because like. <laughs> Oftentimes we talk about the market correction, but bro, like he was plus 115 against uh, Brady. He was plus 200 against Wonderboy. He was plus 160 against uh, Luke. So I don't think the market's caught on. And now that the level of competition is going to increase even more, I still think he's going to be an underdog. So I'm excited. Like, it's not like he's about to come out here and be minus 200 against Usman. Like that, that, that's where we talk about recency bias. That's where you talk about like, come on. I still think he's going to be a disrespected underdog against all these guys. So that's why I'm still riding that train in 2023 and he's my breakout fighter of the year. 
Yeah, that, that's a solid one. And we'll talk about it later with worst bets of the year. But I've been one of those people who has been counting Bilal Muhammad out in the past. And it's funny because the one time where it seemed like it was going to work out for me was the Edwards fight and it ended up being a no contest. Other than that, it's just been loss after loss. Oh, yeah, man. And I'd love to see that fight ran back at some point, too. Uh, but next up, the performance of the year. Okay, so this is an interesting one for me. I'm going to go first. So the performance of the year. And it actually happened quite recently, in, in in my opinion. So, like, there was this talk, and I think there's a misconception about this fight between Wonder Boy and Holland, how it's fight of the year and this and that. That was not a fight of the year. That was a beatdown of the year. That was a performance of the year. If you guys know Kevin Holland, you guys know Kevin Holland loves to talk in the middle of his fights. It's entertaining. We like it, this and that. Kevin Holland was not talking after round one. And there's a reason behind that. The reason being is that Wonderboy Thompson took the fight out of Kevin Holland, which, you know, they made their gentleman's agreement. You know, they got down to the ground once. Kevin Holland let him back up. You can criticize him all you want for it. But the bottom line is he got the stand-up fight he thought he wanted. And, uh, man, after that, like, goddamn, like that was because like going into the fight, we're thinking Wonder Boy's 40. Wonder Boy, you know, coming off two fights that weren't even competitive. Like he's, you know, he's just not the same guy anymore. Plus with his style, you know, fight with his hands down. These guys coming up, you know, we know that Kevin Holland can crack, man. So I was kind of worried for him. Not enough to bet Holland, thank God. But God damn, the techniques. And then also, it was like the kind of performance. Like back in the day when Machida fought Rashad and dethroned him for the belt, like literally the next day on Monday, like karate schools filled up because like it was like, holy shit, like karate really works. After what Wonderboy just did to Holland, I guarantee you the sign-up rates for karate schools just went up. And I talked to one of my buddies, uh, Joey Imperator. He's like a really well-respected karate black belt. And he was just like freaking out over that performance. Like he's like talking about like, man, you don't see guys throw sidekicks anymore. It's a technique that you can, you, you can't really even counter. And like, and then it opens up all parts of the, of the body. And man, Steven Wonderboy Thompson performance of the year for me, my boy sparring with reality said Islam over Charles. And I, I mean, I agree. He knocked him down. He submitted him. He mopped the fucking floor with him. So I don't, I don't disagree with you. Um, but man, some of those techniques I saw in it, it was like almost like too easy for for Islam. That's why I'd more rather give him like maybe like submission of the year. But I do feel where you're coming from. It was one of the best performances, but there was just something about the way Wonder Boy handled Holland that takes the cake for me. Yeah, it's funny because I actually Islam over Charles is what I was gonna say, but then I, I kind of got to the same point as you. I was like, he almost made it look too easy, it was almost too quick. For me, I'm going with Volkanovski over Korean Zombie. I know Volk was a big favorite in that fight, but Zombie is still one of those guys who's just an absolute legend. He's been around forever. He's never – you can never really see guys walk right through him. And Volkanovski just absolutely torched him over five rounds. He beat him everywhere. He just – it looked like they were playing a different sport out there, for lack of a better term. So I'm going with Volkanovski over Jung. It was so complete. He won every minute of the round. Every, every, he won every minute of every round. He finished the fight. It was just a brutal beatdown of someone who I have a lot of respect for. So I think Volkanovski over uh, over Jung gets it for me. Yeah, and what's such a good point about that 
is that like going into the fight, you know, Volk was like minus 800, minus 900. And to me, I'm thinking like, look, I think Volk's going to win, but you give me, you know, some odds like this on, on Jung and I might be tempted because, you know, Korean zombie, he's got a knack for just creating chaos and, and just making history in there. I mean, like win or lose, you know, back in the day, he submitted Dustin Poirier in, in a main event. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, combine that with the fact that he's got the fastest knockout in featherweight history like guy fought for a title he gave aldo his best fight at the time until he blew his shoulder out and came back from the military leave and just went on this ridiculous run even the fight he lost against yair was like the fight of the year man so yeah so like zombies always had a way of creating magic in fights so when you see like a plus 500 plus 600 against you know anyone i know volk's volk but still it's like, yo, like maybe I'm, I'm, I might be tempted to take the shot. Like, dude, you could have laid minus eight hundred straight. You could have laid minus nine hundred straight on Volk, and there, and there was value there. That so, I feel you. Yeah, I mean that that performance just blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, he really is levels above everyone else in his division. He is, man, and I'm very curious to see what happens now with what's coming up. You know, with him fighting Islam and. Then dropping back, you know, it's interesting when guys go up and then they come back and there's going to be an interim title. So I'm very interested to see what happens with that. So next up, we got the rookie of the year. So that means they made their debut in 2022, obviously. I got two. I got a male and a female. So my male rookie of the year for 2022 is a man named Jaelton Almeida. This guy at 205 pounds, I mean, like his jiu-jitsu is absolutely nasty. He submitted a Russian on Contender Series. He's been just running through everybody uh, in the UFC right now. They even offered him Jamal Hill for this upcoming card in Brazil. But Jamal was like, um, I'd rather fight Glover for the title instead. You know, <laughs> so I don't blame him there. But um, just imagine... Uh, a year from now, I could see Jailton you know, just being right up there, not even just light heavyweight, but maybe even heavyweight. Like the skill set, the size, the confidence. I, I think he's the rookie of the year, and I think he's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, that's my rookie of the year, too. For me, that was like, oh, right. yeah, for me, that was like the easiest one to make. He was, he's three and oh, he's finishing everyone. It's not just that he's finishing everyone, it's just he's absolutely dominating them. He, Goes out there, gets on top, chokes him. It looks like he doesn't even need, need – it looks like he doesn't even break a sweat out there. I think he's already probably right up there with the top tier of that division. I think he could have success at 205 or at heavyweight. And, yeah, coming from contender series and just absolutely annihilating everyone he's fought. For me, That that's easy rookie of the year. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, I'll just tell you who my other candidates were, just so you know who Jailton's uh, competition was. So – Mohammed Mokayev, I mean, the guy came in and made a storm. I mean, like, listen, Cody Dern, maybe he'll win some, maybe he'll lose some, but, like, no one's ever handled Cody Dern like that. Like, no one. Like, not a single guy. And then his next two fights, I mean, it's funny how, like, we criticize them because they weren't 30-second flying knee knockouts, but, like, the next fight, he sets a fucking takedown record and most takedowns in flyweight history. Next fight, like, I know Malcolm Gordon might be this, might be that, but he still dominated him and submitted a black belt at the end of the day. Like, okay, he didn't knock him out in 30 seconds, but, like, that's the kind of standard we hold this kid in. Like, so that just goes to show, like, you can't 
you know, discredit him or diminish his performance just because he whooped a guy's ass for three rounds instead of, you know, submitting him in 30 seconds. So he was one of my candidates. Obviously, I gave it to Jailton. And then for the women, uh, Luke brought up a really good one. You know, Yasmin Yaragui, I definitely think she's a she's a strong candidate. But I got to give it to Natalia Silva, man. I think that Natalia Silva just came into the UFC and is just showing something exciting. Like, it's giving us something. Like, what's the last time you saw a chick throw a spinning back kick knockout? Like, I haven't seen I haven't seen a spinning a spinning back spinning back kick knockout. Uh, someone correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure there has been one since then. But you remember when Hendon Burrell spinning back kicked Eddie Wineland on oh, the wow. John Jones versus uh, Gustafsson card, the first one? Like the That's shit really that young, Natalia man. did to her last opponent. Like, god damn. And then prior to that, uh, so sorry. Remind me, what was the what was the what was her debut again? Um, hang on, let me look it up. I I could picture the girl, but I can't think of her name. Like, oh yeah, uh, Jasmine. Ja- oh yeah. Just, yeah. So she's in there with a Canadian silver medalist, I believe. I, I don't know. I don't know what her credential is, but she's just can't. She was coming off a win against someone who had spent time in the UFC before that, so it wasn't like she was going out there and beating a complete jobber. Yeah, so Jasmine Joss, Joss Divisius, all my Canadian listeners, let me know if I'm fucking this up, but I'm pretty goddamn sure. Joss Divisius was like a, a, you know, a Canadian silver medalist, bro. And Natalia's going out there, not just stuffing all the takedowns, Andrew, landing takedowns of her own and not being gun shy to let her strikes go because of the threat of the takedown. She was that confident in her takedown defense. She let her strikes go, and then she attempted takedowns of her own and secured them. So that for a debut, I was like, okay. And she was like half the size. I paid attention there. She was half the size of her next opponent, and spinning back kicks her to the face and into the fifth dimension. So, yeah, Natalia Silva is my female rookie of the year. Yeah, that, that's solid. I didn't come prepared with a female rookie of the year, but I think that that one's pretty hard to argue with. Also, Yasmin Jargui up there too for rookie of the year. Both those, um, both of them have a lot of talent, and I see them doing big things in the future. Absolutely. Are are they same weight class by chance off the top of your head? No, I think Yasmin is one fifteen, and I think um, Ali is one twenty five. Let me double check that though. Because, like, okay, part of me loves you know the matchups of like the top prospects like Demir versus uh, Armin last week. Right. Even though, yeah, the fight might not have been the best, but like, I love those kind of matchups. Like, like Arnold Allen versus Sodiq Youssef, like where, yeah. you know, just two big time prospects. Let's see who the better guy is. Cause a lot of people are like, no, let's, let's protect these guys. Let's let them take out the old guard, which I love taking out the old guard too. Don't get me wrong. Like you're going to be seeing that a lot with, uh, you know, you're going to be seeing, guys like dan hooker tony ferguson you know rda get kind of ushered out the lightweight rankings you're going to see these guys like armin sarukian demir uh jalen turner you know all these guys are going to kind of take their place and you're going to see that in all these other weight classes as well so yeah i I love to kind of see the evolution of the sport but a lot of people they don't like putting the two best prospects in there together kind of like a, a couple weeks ago with Bryce and Taporia, whereas I'm thinking, like, dude, I want to know who's fucking better. Like, yeah. these guys are so good. You're talking about both guys being future champions. Like, I want to know who the better man is. Fuck protecting them. This is the UFC. Like, let's find out who's better. And, you know, back to performance of the year, I still give it to Wonderboy, but goddamn, was Taporia close? I mean, like, because I thought, like, okay, some sprawling brawl, bust him up a little bit, but when you're 
when every single shot you land has that kind of impact, you're dropping him all over the place. You're wobbling him. And then, hey, let's add insult to injury and let's let's go submit this guy real quick. You know, so I was blown away by Taporia and I've already been impressed with him, but that took it to a new level because I always thought like, okay, yeah, top 10, maybe top five. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, top five. Like this guy might actually fight for a belt. So he actually really, really impressed me. Yeah, that, that was a great performance. There's like, it's one of those things too, when you talk about matching up to prospects, if you want to call them that, or people who are going to be taking the step up, a loss in the UFC doesn't mean the end all be all. Like Saruki and lost, and, he, and I, there's no one out there that I see that's saying that he can't compete for a title still someday. It's not like boxing where, he, oh, you have one loss and that's the, that's the end for you. So I don't mind them matching prospects up at all. Bryce Mitchell will be back if he wants to be. I mean, he, there's a ton of guys at 145 he could beat right now. And it's the same thing goes for when Saruki and Gamrot fight or when um, Demir fights um, – Kudalaze or Demir fights Saruki and like like there's more to do for them even even with the loss exactly and certain guys stocks will raise after losses like Guram for example when he fought Demir like that was just such a good fight that on paper there's a loser but in my eyes not a loser in my eyes I saw a very high level fight with two guys are going to emerge in the top 15 and again back to the point kind of weed out the old guard you know the people that they earned their spot back in the day but you know the circle of life you know how this shit goes so yeah now next up let's see so we did performance we did rookie now now we're gonna get to one of my favorite ones we're gonna get to the jay perrin jobber of the year award so you know (laughs) I, I thought I knew what a jobber was, and then I heard Jay Perrin run his mouth, and I was like, oh, my God. But I can't – Jay Perrin's such a jobber, I can't even give him an award on my own show. So the Jay, the 2022 Half the Battle Jay Perrin Jobber of the Year Award goes to Derek Minner. I mean, when you talk about being a jobber, like even prior to this whole fiasco, Derek Minner was already a jobber. Derek Minner was already that guy that, you know – I know his record is a little bit better than 500, but it's just kind of like if he can't get you out of there in the first round, it's content going home. You know, guy that's been a journeyman for a very, very long time, but he he wanted that crown this year. He wanted to be he wanted the 2022 Jay Perrin Jobber of the Year award, and boy did he get it, man. Because I mean, when you talk about the bullshit that happened, man, like you know, it's one thing. You know, you go through you you run a guy through the series. He gets out, you gas out, you lose the fight, whatever. But like to go into a fight two hours before the fight, the line moves $2 in the direction of your opponent. The inside the distance prop gets steamed. The under gets steamed. The KO1 gets steamed. And then you just go down in the first exchange. Like, yeah, Derek Minner, Jay Perrin, Jobber of the Year. No questions asked from my standpoint. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. That's who I have written down also. You just can't do that and expect to get away with it. And um, it's not something I thought we'd see in 2022. I really thought the days of the, a potential fixed fight were long behind us in the UFC. I could see it potentially in a smaller organization or maybe even an organization in a different country. But when I saw that um, 
that line start to move. It, it's typical. You see f- fight day line movement. People are making big bets. There's sharp money coming in. But when you see a line move $2, then you see someone go out there and throw two kicks to the body with a bad knee and go down. It just it raises eyebrows. And in today's day and age with technology and there being records of texts, phone calls, emails, all that oh, stuff. Oh, man. You just can't expect to get away with it. And it's funny. I actually went back and rewatched it recently because the biggest thing for me was like, all right, if they fixed if they fixed a fight, it's different than if you fought injured not like still trying to win the fight and so i'm like all right i want to make the judgment for myself do i think he was in on it i went back and watched the fight he didn't throw a single head strike he didn't even want to knock him out by accident he went and threw two he went he threw a couple leg kicks he threw a couple body kicks he went down so whatever happens to that situation i wish them all the best but he in my book and in your book wins uh the jobber of the year yeah, man. No questions asked. And it was also like the first time in a long time where I truly felt disgusted. And, and this is before all the speculation started, like, because, you know, I, we, we got some similar qualities. Like, I'm sure you're always looking at the lines, looking at the movement, you know, doing this and that. So I'm sure before, like, fuck what everyone was saying on Twitter. I'm sure that two hours before the fight started, you know, you're casually going on whatever book you're betting on at the time. and and then you see a fucking $2 line. You're like, yo, like, like, okay, right then and there, red flag for a potential for a potential something. But, you know, and plus with his coach's involvement in the betting game, him being a little too loud, this and that, right? But then the fight starts, and the guy goes down in the first exchange, and, like, I felt dirty. Like, I didn't even have any money on it. I just felt dirty watching it because, like, that, that was just really bad for the sport. Like, that was just, like, one of those things where – I literally walked out like feeling like disgusted, like, wow, I just watched a fixed fight. And the reason why that's a big deal coming from me is because I hear motherfuckers talking about, oh, that UFC is rigged and this fight's fixed. And then I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like people are trying to call. I can't think of an example right now. People are trying to call all kinds of fights fixed. And it's like, dude, people were, people were trying to call. I saw people on Twitter calling the freaking Yuri Glover fight fixed. Exactly. Exactly. Like there was nothing fixed. That was a war. That was a battle of attrition that came down to, to the waning seconds of the final round. Like, and these guys were going back and forth, giving life, you know, blood, sweat and tears. Whereas the Minner fight, like I literally was like, Oh my God. Like, this like I was like sad. I was like, wow, like this really happened in our sport. And this is before I saw everybody's speculation. I I I know what the fuck I was watching, bro. Like, I did not watch a guy go in there and try to win a fight. I try I watched a guy try to uh collect money on his opponent, uh on his opponent's win. I'm curious how they handled it. You know, they probably had their people. I don't know. The investigation will come out, but like you were talking about earlier. Nowadays, those paper trails with the text messages, like, dude, like, you, I, I hope that he threw away his phone, ran over it three times with the car. But even then, I'm sure there's a database that, like, has every single text you've made, even if it's been deleted. So, yeah, you can run, but you can't hide. Or, like, uh, you seen Ocean's Eleven? Ocean's Eleven? No. Uh, it's with George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and I think maybe Matt Damon. But anyways, they're, like... Basically, George Clooney, he gathers a, a group of 11 dudes and they're going to rob the biggest Vegas casino and do this big heist. And the owner of the casino finds out and he gets on the phone and he's like, uh, my only advice is 
run and hide, asshole. Run and hide. So I think, uh, you know, let's see what Minner does. So that's our uh, Jay Perrin jobber of the year. But now my Derek Minner stunt of the year uh, award. So our first ever 2022 half the battle Derek Minner stunt of the year award goes to his coach, James Krause. Because I actually really respected James Krause, like, for a long time. I mean, like, even prior to all the betting shit. Like, I mean, the guy was a solid fighter. You take fights on, like, a day short notice. And he's a guy that's paid his dues because, like, I know that towards the end of his UFC run, he actually had, like, a lot of success. But if you go back to the WEC days, you see the ass whooping that Cowboy Cerrone gave uh, James Krause or... You even see on the Ultimate Fighter what Justin Lawrence did to James Krause. Like, James Krause was not looked at as, you know, someone who is going to make it far in the sport. He was looked at as someone that was going to wash out. And the fact that he turned things around and then he became this analytical mind. Like, you listen to his breakdowns, like, the guy's well-spoken. He's a good coach. He knows what he's talking about. And all his fighters swore by him. But then he got into the betting game. And there's nothing wrong with getting into the betting game. I'm not going to hate on someone for giving their picks, giving their analysis, doing their thing, even fucking having your Discord channel, your your YouTube channel. Like, you ain't affecting me by doing that. Go do your thing. Knock yourself out. It's just that you know this because you've been in the game a very long time, just like I have. People have delusions of grandeur when they get into this betting game. You know, you might hit, you know, you go out there your first couple times, you hit a 14 parlay. Now you think you're God's gift to betting. Now you think that you're in a spot where you can give betting advice, but you don't even understand, you know, how the numbers work. You don't understand, like, to you, it's just picking winners. So, yeah, I'm going to go pick Bo Nickel at minus 1,800, lay, eight, lay, lay uh, 18 units to win one. You know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's how these guys start off because it's all about picking winners. They don't understand about the value and this and that. You know, like, no, I'm not going to go – bet Jamie Pickett, but like still, I'm not laying no minus 1,800 on, on Bo Nickel. So basically the point I was trying to make was, you know, he had a little bit of early success, which you can call it, what is it, like beginner's luck or whatever the fuck they like to call it. Um, but everything evens itself out. And, you know, you're going to get found out if you're for real or for not. And I think that he kind of got a little bit carried away. He got, got a little bit cocky. Then he started getting involved with people who were also in the game and they use the fact that, you know, James Krause has the notoriety of being the former UFC fighter, the former coach. And now we mix him in with, you know, a quote unquote handicapper. And they thought they were really going to take over this game. And I didn't have an issue with Krause again for the YouTube channel. Have your discord. Do your thing, bro. I don't give a fuck. It, it's just the first red flag was the account takeover part. And I'll tell you why, you know. There, there's legit ways to do account takeovers now, not legally, but just in terms of my morals and my ethics, there's ways to do it that's not wrong. And the way to do that, you know, hypothetically speaking, would be let's say that you have an entrepreneur friend who doesn't know shit about betting, but like y'all are close. You guys know each other, right? And he says, like, listen, I'm gonna deposit hypothetically 10K into this betting account. You you win me back my 10k and then everything we profit from there on that we split 50 50 like that's like that's a legit way to do an account takeover not legally guys don't do this it's not legally but just in terms of my morals you know weeds illegal prostitution's illegal gambling's illegal but those things there's nothing wrong with those things in my book like I'm not saying go do them I'm just saying I don't think you should be thrown in jail if you do do them right so you know 
but the thing with the account takeovers, the big difference with what with what Kraus was doing was he's offering it to hundreds of people that he doesn't know. He's offering it to like, like Joe Schmo on Twitter. He doesn't know this person. And then there was all this thing about how, well, if you don't have a winning week, you're still going to owe us money. You know, it's it's kind of like in Goodfellas when it's like, oh, uh, your, your mom's in the hospital. Fuck you. Pay me. Right. So it was like one of those kind of things. So that's where I was first like, yo, because people had red flags about him prior to that. But I was kind of like, you know, when he went on Helwani, I was just like, dude, don't be so loud and talk about how you make more doing this. Like, kind of keep it on the DL. But I still wasn't like, OK, arrest this man. But when you go out there and blatantly fix a fight, that's when, you know, you cross the line. And that's when you receive the 2022 Derek Minner Stun of the Year Award. So, yeah, it goes to James Krause for me. Yeah, it's hard to argue that one. I, I did pick a different one, though. I went with Askar Mazarov, who fought, um, <laughs> who, who fought Alonzo Manifield earlier. That's a good year. one. That's a good one. It came out before the fight that his record was fake. He, I think he started off like he say he started off nine and four. By the time they got in the cage, he was like five and four. They said that he had fights on his record, never happened, and just more and more kept coming out about it. He gets in the fight with Alonzo Menafield, gets steamrolled, and um, I think he even went and had another fight after that, if I remember correctly. I think he had another fight after that in another organization and lost. Let me just clarify that really quick. Dude, real quick. It's not just the five and four. Like, this guy started off, this record was like 22 and eight. Then it went down to like, you know, 16 and nine. And he had like a bunch of different names. Like he, his name was like, you know, Askarov Mosharov. Then it was Asker Mosharov. Then it was John Smith. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy, like was changing names every like six months, trying to change his record as well. Yeah. So it looks like he actually retired after that men field fight, which probably isn't the worst idea. But yeah, <laughs> that, that whole thing was a disaster. Well, well, I- Asker Mosharov retired, but his new alias <laughs> hasn't retired yet. <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see a guy that looks strikingly similar to him with a mustache with a three and zero record. <laughs> you remember year. when Chael Sonnen uh, went to Brazil and he wore like the fake glasses with the nose <laughs> and the mustache? Like, yeah, like the Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like Mosharov's gonna come out with some shit like that. <laughs> yeah, that that was crazy. For me, he wins the stunt of the year. Yeah, and uh, there's there's some other stunts of the year that we talked about privately, but. Uh, I think I think I, <laughs> I yeah, think these MMA some... Twitter MMA Twitter stunts of the year too. But that's yeah, the uh, there's there's been more than one. But <laughs> anyways, um, all right, contenders to look out for in 2023. So we're doing the contenders to look out for and the prospects to look out for. And the difference is obviously you know, but for the fans, contenders are ranked right. Like so, these are guys that you think are going to move up the rankings, and the prospects are guys that are. I think most of these guys are outside the rankings or they're at the very tip, like right in the top 15, and you think they're going to move up too. So I'm going to start off with my uh, contenders to look out for in 2023. So one that I've been high on since day one is Arnold Allen. I think that he's very underrated. He's fucking like 9 or 10-0 and 0 in the UFC, which is crazy, man. And he's always coming out here and – like performing at good prices and like you see different areas of his game. He's got the reputation of kind of just being a low volume point fighter, but I've seen him go out there and land over hundred significant strikes in a three round fight. He's got the reputation of being a low volume point fighter goes out there and just bum rushes Dan hooker and gets him out of there early. 
has a reputation for being a low volume point striker submits Mads Burnell who at the time I don't know if you remember but people were crying when Mads Burnell got released from the UFC people were saying that that was the worst decision that Sean and Mick had ever made like in all their years like it was some catastrophe but more importantly Mads Burnell was known for his submission game and you got Arnold out here going out here submitting him I think Sodiq Yusuf is a great prospect. Arnold Allen was out there dropping him in the first two rounds. I was like, God damn, and landing takedowns too. So Arnold Allen's on my list. Cheeto Vera's on my list, man. I mean, I just love this guy's story. Like the fact that like, if you watch Cheeto Vera's UFC debut and you watch his most recent fight, it's like not even the same guy. Like he's truly like the definition of just hard work paying off. Like he's someone who, you know, there is no off season with this guy. I hear about, I hear how he's like running 13 miles and he's just got this insane killer instinct. And normally I don't like the low volume guys. And I say low volume, he's landed over hundred significant strikes in multiple fights. But I'm just saying for the most part, the way I like to describe Cheeto Vera style is chill, 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 kill, kill, kill. Like that's just how he fights, man. Like he'll drop like the first couple of rounds and then, and then just destroy a guy. And normally I don't like banking on that, but with him, it's super fucking reliable, and there's just something about him and his work ethic that sometimes the, the stars align for guys like they did with Bisbing when he won the belt and, you know, like they did with Glover when he won the belt, and I could totally see Cheeto Vera overcoming the odds and one, one day being a champion. Uh, so there's him. Sodique, you guys know how I feel about Sodique. Uh, Yan Jonan, I think she's getting pretty close. I've always been high. I've bet on Yan Jonan literally every single UFC fight she's had. I think she's right up there. I think Taporia made an incredible case for himself this last fight. He was already making cases for himself, but he was making cases for himself to be a top 10 guy. This last fight showed, hey, like, no, I I'm a top five guy and potential a future title challenger. Uh, Bilal, you guys already know how I feel about that. Blanchfield. Blanchfields look fucking amazing. And with the holes that Valentina has in her game, you might you, hey, don't be surprised if Blanchfield wins a belt uh next year. Jamal Hill, you guys know how I feel about Jamal Hill. When you see a guy that's six foot four with the 80 inch reach, he's got the power of like an Nganu, but he's got the volume of a little guy. Like that, that's someone I take note of. Um Jalen Turner from being a guy who I don't know if you saw some of his past fights. Like he used to get knocked the fuck out brutally in fights to now turn it around, uses his length just expertly, and is an absolute matchup problem in the lightweight division. And then last but not least, uh, Rafael Fiziev, man. I think he's one of the best strikers in all the sport. And his takedown defense has been improving leaps and bounds. He's got a different kind of fast twitch explosiveness to his game. I think he's a force to be reckoned with. So those are my top contenders to look out for in 2023. Yeah, th those are all solid. I, I have one for male, one for female. Um, 2023 contender to look out for on the male side is going to be Umar Nurmagomedov. They have him ranked at number 11 right now. I don't think there's 10 guys in that division that can beat him. I don't think he'd be the underdog to the majority of them. I think he's shown a lot and that he is a complete game. He's going to be on that first card of the year next year, taking on uh, Hayoni Barcelos, I, I think he likely makes a statement there because that would be a, a really good win. Barcelos is a guy that I respect, a lot of people in the space respect. So I, I think Umar is a very um, – the sky's the limit for him. And then on the female side, you, you hit it on the head. Erin Blanchfield, I think she's going to take a big step up here fighting Tyler Santos, and I think it, it's going to bode well for her. I think she matches well against Valentina. 
And yeah, she sky's the limit again, potential champ for both of them. So I'm going Umar and I'm going Blanchfield as my uh, contenders to look out for in 2023. Because dude, it's not often you're going to get like a plus 250, plus 350 on um, Hione Barcelos. So that kind of speaks to like where you rank a guy like Umar. Because yeah. Barcelos is no slouch, man. Not one bit. Yeah. So you think it's going to actually be like a domination or you think he just kind of edges him? I, I think he's going to look he's I think he's going to be a sizable favorite. I think he's going to look a sizable favorite. Yeah. And to do that against a guy like Barcelos, that's that'd be a, something to see. So we talked about our contenders. Now let's talk about our prospects. So most of these are unranked. Just people I think are going to make an impact in 2023. I already talked about Natalia Silva. She won my rookie of the year. I think she's a force to be reckoned with. Nasty striking, good takedown defense, good jujitsu, and is not afraid to be taken down. So therefore, she lets her just unorthodox strikes go. I mean, I mean, you see her throwing uh, sidekicks to the face, just like my girl Yan Xiao and, and spinning kicks. So I love everything about Natalia Silva. I love her attitude. Michael Morales. I think this guy is just like a ridiculous like specimen of an athlete, and he's also got that Ecuadorian heart, like a guy like Cheeto Vera. So he's got like. Imagine Cheeto Vera, but like a dude that could go to the Olympic training center with Cheeto Vera's like will to win and heart and finishing ability. Michael Morales, someone to look out for. Michelle Pereira. I, th I think that you give Michelle Pereira the right matchups. I think that he could climb his way up a little bit, man. Uh, Wonder Boy said he wanted that fight. I'm very intrigued by the prospects of a Michelle Pereira versus Wonder Boy fight. I mean, Michelle Pereira is just very unique. He does things that other guys don't do. So He's someone to keep an eye out for. Um, also, Jack Della Maddalena, um, you know, the, the level of competition is going to increase as he as he keeps winning. And dude's got clean hands. I mean, and he's got a chin and he's got submission defense and heart. Like you saw that locked in arm triangle uh, choke he escaped. You see some of these spots he gets in. He never panics. He's got an insane chin. And then his hands are some of the best in the division. Uh, RoboCop, he's been doing his thing. I think you got to look out for him. Just a tough banger. And that comeback against Chitty was nasty. Um, Ian Gary. Ian Gary has been a money machine for me this year. I fucking love this kid, Ian Gary. And the thing I like so much about him, um, I mean, obviously, I love his style, you know, the volume, this, the smarts, this and that. But I love that people are down on him. But because he's Irish, therefore, he must be a McGregor wannabe. Therefore, he must be overhyped. Therefore, he's must be overrated. Whereas I'm like, do you do you recognize the skills you're seeing when this guy fights? I love everything about this kid, Ian Gary, and I've cashed on him in all his fights in 2022. And I look forward to keep doing that in 2023. You know, let's give him like Tim Means or some shit next fight. And I'll be on that as well. Uh, so Ian Gary, definitely. Adrian Yanez, I mean, come on. Some of the fastest hands in the Bantamweight division. They're going to, I was surprised they gave Chris Gutierrez the Frankie fight. I thought they could have maybe given it to uh, to Adrian Yanez. I think he's right up there. Um, Carlos Olberg, just give this kid a little bit more time. He's a talent to be reckoned with. Jailto and Almeida, we talked about him. And Yasmin Yaragui, we talked about her. So those are my prospects to look out for in 2023. Yeah, those, that's a great list. I'm going to take the easy layup here and say Bo Nickel. 
prospect to look out for in 2023. Obviously, a couple dominant wins on the Contender Series. Super extensive wrestling background. He's going to fight Jamie Pickett early next year. He's going to be a massive favorite. Um, it's just it's going to be really fun to watch how fast they try to move him along. See if anyone can even make him struggle, because I personally don't anticipate Jamie Pickett is going to make him struggle much. I think he's going to take Pickett down. I think he's going to finish him. Um, but I would love to see him against some of that higher level of competition that maybe he can't just – walk right through like he's obviously going to get a lot of takedowns in the UFC but I want to see what he's got on the feet I want to see what he's got as a fight get, gets played out into a later second early third rounds and possibly even I, I don't know if it'll happen next year but possibly the year after going into main events and co-main events and seeing what he could really do because obviously it's someone who I've been around a long time in the wrestling community and he was it's crazy because he was a finisher in wrestling and that doesn't really exist in college wrestling like the skill gap between you and your opponent has to be pretty high for you to pin them. And he, he's like pin people in the NCAA finals, which is like, is very, very rare. So I think he's going to be a finisher in the UFC too. That's my prospect to look out for in 2023. Oh yeah. I mean, phenomenal talent. So let's see. Uh, Tristan said Merzikhanov could get ranked. I actually think he might already be ranked, uh, but either way, if he's not, definitely someone to look out for but i think there's a chance he might be like 13 14 15 already so um definitely agree with you uh so let's see now this is one i had trouble with the number one pound for pound fighter on the roster because normally i just traditionally always give it to john jones but my boy hasn't fought in two years so i think it's kind of tough to give him that and then oh yeah real quick will martin said tatsura tyra one to look out for next year i agree with that as well kids nasty with his back takes and you saw the guy who just beat cj vergara is fighting uh our favorite uh one minute you know killer uh oh, daniel yeah. daniel da silva so i look forward to that but um okay the number one pound for pound fighter on the roster this is a tough one for me because it's like i always give it to john jones he hasn't fought in two years i can't give it to him this year um i want to give it to volk because i think he currently is the the number one pound for pound but like if islam embarrasses him then that's gonna have to you know be removed but at the same time he goes out there and beats islam becomes a two division champ then there's no debate who the number one pound for pound is but i think islam despite you know the resume maybe not being there with like a uzman yet just skill wise and dominance wise he might be the number one pound for pound. So this is one I'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence, but I think the winner of Vulcan Islam is going to give me my winner here. Yeah. My uh, 2022 number one pound for pound fighter is Islam. And it's funny because Volk would be my number two and it's in that order. It's one of those things where like, I feel like Islam is going to be Volk personally, but obviously they're in different weight classes. But I think if Volk even, like gives him a run for his money you could make a case for it because like i said he is the one coming up and wait i just think islam's game is so flawless he's defensively on the feet he's fantastic his wrestling he's strong his top control just everything about his game is just it's really really good i, I actually think he's one of the best fighters of all time probably skill for skill I'd probably put him somewhere in the top five or 10 if you're just looking at pure skill, not necessarily like accomplishments or body of work. But when I watch him fight, I just, I see so few flaws. And I think he's going to dominate for a long time if, if he sticks around for that long. And I, I think he's the number one pound for pound right now, but definitely Volkanovsky in that conversation. I think even though he got knocked out by Edwards in that fifth round, I think Usman still belongs somewhere in that top five. He's a freak of nature. He's still, he's still in it for me skill wise. So yeah, that, that'd probably be my one, two, and three is Islam, Volk, then Usman. Will said, 
also expecting a big year for the Basharat brothers. Yeah, I like those kids. You know, they're kind of got that tall, skinny frame for their weight class. They're very intelligent. I, I like how they fight. So definitely keep an eye out for them. All right. So gym of the year and coach of the year. And, and mine are the same. My uh, gym of the year is Fortis MMA. I, I think that, you know, Maybe last year they kind of fell back a little bit, but this year they're right back in there. Ryan Spann's about to be in a main event against Krilov, just knocked out Dominic Reyes. Jeff Neal with the performance of his career against Vicente Luque. Kennedy and Zechiku's main eventing cards now. Um, I think that they got a good thing going on there. So I think Fortis MMA is my gym of the year and then my coach of the year. I mean, it's the general. It's the captain safe Saud, man. I mean, like... When you need, when you want to hear a true motivational speech, and I'm not talking about James Krause trying to get his, uh, you know, inside the distance, uh, inside the distance bet to cash, you know, between rounds, you know, I'm not talking about that. But like in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I mean, I can like set Coach Say Sayud as my alarm clock, and I'll jump right up and fucking get ready to go, man. So that guy is a motivator, and they've had him on some UFC shows breaking down film and. Guy's just as sharp as anybody, so and he's just no nonsense, no bullshit. I just I just respect the fuck out of him. So coach safe Saud, coach of the year, Fortis, gym of the year. Yep, concur here. I, I have their roster pulled up. And if you take a look at some of these guys, they're 2022. Damon Jackson, three and oh. Um, you got Ryan Damon Spann. Jackson, good one, good one. D- Ryan Spann, two and oh in twenty twenty two. Jeff Neal, one and oh in twenty twenty two. Um Alonzo Menafield, 2-0 in 2022. Um, Kennedy and Zek Chukwu, 2-1 in 2022. Should be 3-0, but that had that unfortunate decision against Nikolai uh, Negamarenu early on. But yeah, he, he's turning these guys into better fighters, which I think it's not easy, but if you put the best talent in the world at a gym, it's easier to make them look good. But he's having he's improving fighters, and it's showing in their performance. Like you mentioned, guys like Ryan Spann, who are clearly, clearly getting better. Guys like Damon Jackson, who's on his second stint in the UFC, who's won four fights in a row, and who's won six out of his last seven with his only loss being at Topuria. It's just it's really impressive what he's doing over there. So Safe Saud, coach of the year, Forrest MMA gym of the year. Uh, sparring with reality said Mark Montoya just came out of successful surgery today. We're really happy to hear that. You know, it was a great presence in the sport. So, you know, obviously wish him the best and I'm glad to hear that. So, all right. Our best bets of 2022 and our worst bets of 2022. What, what, what do the fans want to hear first? Y'all want to hear our best bets or our worst bets? Um, cause I listed quite a few for both. Um, what do you, what do you think? Cause I'm mean, usually, when people say, do you want the good news or the bad news first? They usually say they want the bad news first. That's what I say, yeah. <laughs> so how about we give them the worst bets first? So my worst bets of uh, 2022. So first event of the year. Okay, so last year, 2021, I have my worst year ever. And you know how there's always like the month break between like, you know, the last event of December, first event of January. You got the time to kind of like, you know, you know, make your game plan and ch- kind of figure out like, okay, wh- what's going to be different this year and this and that. Okay. So coming out the gates, I come out, I come out firing out the gates in, in 2022. And my first bet, um, I make a big bet. I put five units on Giga Chikazi to beat Calvin Cater first event of the year. So I lost on that. And that same night I also lost on, uh, on burrito to beat, um, Algeo. But anyway, so first event of the year, I lose uh, 7.5 units, right? And that's that's like the first event of 2022. Coming off my worst year, I was like, 
that's not exactly how I intended to start the year. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Giga over Cater. I mean, my reasoning going into it, not to make excuses, I just thought, you know, you're giving me a boxer with a negative strike uh, differential against one of the best kickboxers to ever uh, be in the sport. Like, yeah, like, I, and he's coming off the Max Holloway loss. Yeah, give me Giga here. And then Calvin Cater beat the living shit out of him in a way where I was like, oh, my God, dude, like, really? So, yeah, I started the year off minus 7.5 units, uh, and uh, Giga was one of my worst bets. Let's just go back and forth on this. Yeah, that's um, – it's funny because I think some of your best bets are going to be some of my worst and then vice versa. So, like, <laughs> I have Cater as one of my best ones of the year. Yeah, but, um, one of the worst ones that I believe you were on the other – I actually know you were on the other side of was Luke A versus Bilal. Laid chalk on Luke and Blah looked like a sizable favorite. I figured he'd be able to keep it up on the feet, dominate him in the striking. He was not able to keep it on the feet. Blah pretty much took him down at will for five rounds. And yeah, that, that was a pretty rough one for me. So next up, Peter Yan over Sterling. Now listen. <laughs> so I actually thought Peter Yan won the fight, but that's irrelevant. You know why that's irrelevant? Because I laid like what minus 350 on it. So going into it, I thought it was just going to be, I thought we were just going to add insult to injury of how the first fight went. I thought he was just going to come out here, take out the trash and just be done with this chapter and just move on to bigger, better things. And I have to admit as someone who's been in the game, as long as I have, I made a huge mistake of, you know, somewhat letting the hype get to me, you know, not that I was like watching the countdowns and fucking fanning out or anything, but still I was just so set in my mind that, you know, Oh, he's just gonna run through Aljamain. Like Aljamain's broken before the fight team has started, like this and that. And it was like, dude, even though Peter Yan, in my eyes, won the first fight, I mean, there were still some rounds that Aljamain won. So it's not like it was like a big blowout. It just seemed like it was headed towards a finish at the end for Peter Yan. So I was overconfident on Peter Yan. And as a result, I paid. So my next worst bet of the year was Peter Yan minus 350. Because again, had he gone out there and just starched Aljo or just destroyed him, then okay, that justifies it. And that's what I expected to happen. But to lose two rounds decisively by getting your back taken, I did not foresee that happening one bit. And the fact that it was even a split decision and I laid a price like that, that's one of my worst bets of the year. Yeah, um, it's funny. I'm looking I, – I obviously have like this written down. And I just kind of noticed looking through it now that the common theme in my worst bets of the year – was laying chalk against someone who's the better wrestler. So that theme continued with um, Charles Jordan versus Nathaniel Wood. I had Jordan minus 140 over Wood. Wood looked like the clear favorite there. He won a unanimous decision. I thought Jordan really impressed me against Burgos. I was on Burgos against Jordan, so I was like, perfect. I got him here. Now I'm going to bet him. I end up doing that a lot where it's like, all right, I faded someone successfully and now I think the market's overcorrecting it. So I'm going to do it back the other way. And it just didn't work out. Jordan clearly hasn't fixed the holes in his grappling game. Nathaniel Wood looked like a clear favorite. So that, that, that's number two for me. Yeah. And uh, let's see. My next one was Bruno Silva over GM3. So another case where the odds were way too wide, but I thought that like, oh, he's just going to touch him once and get him out of there. I mean, this guy just went three rounds with Alex Pereira. Like, what's GM3 got for him? And I, I love GM3. I mean, most submissions in middleweight history, really cool dude. 
But for some reason, I just thought that that was a terrible matchup for him. And then he's out there dropping Bruno Silva and finishing him. So, yeah, bad bet on Bruno Silva over G3. Um, next up for me, Edson Barboza plus one forty five versus Bryce Mitchell. I had no intentions of playing the fight when it was for, when the line kind of was first out, but it had just gotten so far on fight day that I was like, all right, it's it's gotten to be enough where I'm going to take the shot on Edson. Just Bryce just dominated him, looked like a huge favorite, and uh, yeah, that's all there is to it. Other just got to own that one. Um, yeah, Barboza plus one forty five probably could have been plus three hundred. Similar to you being on Cater over Chikadze, and I was on Chikadze, I was on Bryce over Edson for that <laughs> one. So, um, let's see what else. Oh, this one, Daniel Zellhuber. I mean, dude, listen to this. <laughs> this kid, Daniel Zellhuber, like if you watch, because the tape is not the be-all, end-all, but you watch the tape on him, and this kid looked like a fucking world beater. It looked like, yo, this guy might be a top 15 guy a year from now. He looked incredible. Goes in there with a James Krause guy. Maybe James Krause uh, paid uh, Daniel Zellhuber to not throw any strikes that fight. But all bullshit aside, like Zellhuber, you know, just didn't pull the trigger, didn't fight. It was kind of like, I mean, looked like a shell of the guy that I watched on tape. And the funny thing about it is when you talk about those overcorrections, I actually look forward to betting Zellhuber his next fight. I mean, assuming they don't give him like some fucking undefeated Russian or something, but like I – I think give give him another guy on Trey Ogden's level, and I'm gonna bet Zell Huber again because I really think it was just a debut shit your pants moment versus him actually sucking. Because the the technique I saw in his regional and his contenders, I was like, God damn, like this kid's good. But you, I laid a price, and the kid didn't fight, and that was one of my, one of my worst bets of 2022. Yeah, I remember you and I talked about that one on DMs, and I was like on the border of gonna bet Zell Huber, and then the price kind of got away, and I was. Obviously, very thankful I didn't. Um, but for me, Mike Trezano, minus 200 versus uh, Almeida. I thought Trezano was better everywhere. I thought he'd have the grappling upside. He just went out there and kind of laid an egg. It, I The only saving grace is I had the under two and a half, and Almeida ended up knocking him out. But I think um, Trezano, minus 200 there. That was another time where I tried to do – I <clears throat> I had Hakeem Dawadu over Trezano – earlier in the year and I was like boom got Trezano now it's going to swing back the other way and I bet Trezano against this guy who's debuting in the UFC and I it just it didn't work out so that's another one for me that is rough looking back so let's see what else um oh and last but not least uh Dominic Reyes against Ryan Spann like so (laughs) that was a really bad bet because in my eyes so usually I don't bet guys that are coming off multiple brutal knockout losses. Like that's just, I just don't do that. So I already went against my rule there. Um, but I was justifying it in my eyes being like, well, Dom's only lost to champions, you know, John Jones, uh, Jan, Yuri. He's only lost to champions and he's beat every non-champion he's fought. Like he, he might lose to the, to, you know, the Jones and the Yuri's, but he, but he ain't going to lose to Ryan Spann. He lost to Ryan Spann worse than he lost to any of those guys. So, I mean, like, goddamn, that was a hor- that was a horrendous bet. So, uh, yeah, uh, I had to learn the hard way on that one. So, those are that concludes uh, my worst bets. You got any other worst bets? Um, the only one I had left written down was uh, Askar Askarov minus two seventy six versus Kai Kara France. 
I ended up getting a great line there. It closed like minus 450, but obviously you don't want to be losing minus 275 bets. He clearly couldn't dominate KKF in the grappling like I thought he'd be able to. So KKF ended up getting a title shot out of it. And yeah, that, that was a bad one for me, but that's the last of my bad ones. I'm looking forward to reminiscing about some of the more fun ones. Yeah, so the best bets. My first one, Nganu plus 130 over Gone. So a lot of people that bet on Gone and that were really pissed were, were trying to, you know, do this whole, well, you didn't predict him to wrestle him. You predicted him to knock him out. Therefore, rrr, rrr, rrr. and it's like, to me, I was like, okay, I bet on Nganu his fight previously against Stipe. I bet him both times against Stipe. But the second time, don't y'all remember that he uh, suplexed Stipe Miocic? Like, he actually showed some wrestling against a fucking D1 wrestler in Stipe. So, to me, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of, okay, we need a first-round knockout. We need this. We need that. I was just like, just go out there and give me a championship performance, whatever it takes. I'm getting plus 130 on the baddest man on the planet. That's it, period, point blank. So whether it played out how I expected it to, I don't give a shit. I cashed a plus 130 on the baddest man on the planet. So that's my first best bet of the, of the year. Yeah, that, that's another one I was on the other side of. I had gone at like minus 115. Obviously, I didn't factor in, in Ghanu's wrestling enough, but it was like a round or two in, and I was like, oh, this is going well. Then once it got to like that third round, I was like, mm, I might be on the wrong side of this one. And then clearly, I think Ngannou even fought that fight hurt. So if they ran that back, Ngannou would be a clear favorite. Um, but number one for me, I'm going to go with, um, let's see, I'm trying to go in order here. Lupita Godinez at minus 157 over Ariane Carnelosi. Like she legitimately looked minus 1,000 there. So I, I know it's not like a super high profile fight, but in terms of like best bets, that one has to be super high for me because if they ran that back, I, I would lay whatever on Godness. She just dominated bell to bell, just better everywhere. So minus 157 on that was a gift. That was a beautiful bet. My next one was Joe Anderson Brito plus 250 over Andre Feely. You know, I actually bet on Brito his first fight against Algio. Super close fight, came down to, you know, a back take in the third round, but I didn't give up on him. You know, I didn't, you know, I was like, dude, I actually think this kid's a good prospect. And I took him plus 250 against Feely. And I, I saw people talking about how this is an utter mismatch. And I'm like, dude, Feely fights close with literally everybody. Like every Feely fights like a split decision for the most part, unless he's getting finished and he got finished here. So plus 250 on Joe Anderson Brito has to be one of my best bets of the year. Yeah, that was a solid one. I was on the under two and a half there, which I was nice. shocked. Was it like plus 140 or something like that? So I have fond memories of that fight too. Uh, number two for me, Marcin Tibera plus 335 versus Romanov. Beautiful. I kind of felt, felt like Romanov was a bit of a front runner and he hadn't really fought anyone that had that grappling chops of um, of Tibera. And that first round kind of went about how I expected. He got him down. He rode him out. I didn't think it was gonna he was going to be much of a finishing threat. And those rounds two and three came along. Romanov got more tired. He couldn't get Tiberia to the ground. And all of a sudden, plus 335 was looking pretty damn good. So I'm going Tiberia plus 335 as my second best bet. Let's see. So my next best bet, we talked about it. Uh, Bilal over Luque and uh, Bilal over Brady as well. Plus 160, plus 115. Just keep counting this guy out. Just keep giving me dog odds on him, and I'm going to keep riding that train until the wheels fall off, bottom line. So Bilal, and, you know, even prior to that in December last year, he was like plus 220 against Wonderboy. So 
we talk about the market catching up. The market has not caught up, and they are still disrespecting this man. So, I mean, I, I, like, let's say I lose the next bet. I'd still be, like, 9-1 and one my last, you know, 10 bets uh, on Bilal. So I'm going to keep betting him. But one that was really good was Nate Landwehr plus 275 over David Onama. I mean, that's got to be one of my best bets, not just of this year, but ever. Um, and I heard the rumor about Kraus allegedly having millions on Onama. I don't know if there's any validity to that. Maybe, maybe not. But all I knew was, man, if Nate, if you can just get me past this first round, I think we can take over. And that's what happened. So plus 275, Nate Landwehr. And I put two units on it. It wasn't like a half unit shot or anything. I put two units on it. That's got to be one of my best bets of 2022. Yeah, that, that one was great. And that was a fun fight, too. I, I would have loved to have been on Landwehr at Big Plus Money there. Um, for me, for number three, this is probably somewhat similar to your Bilal one. I've bet on Ilya Topiria in every single one of his UFC fights. I continued the trend at minus 135 versus Bryce Mitchell. I thought Topiria looked like a big favorite there. Obviously, he got the finish, was looking like the better striker, ended up submitting him. Um, that that was one of the best ones for me, and it's another one where it's like if he does event, I'm gonna keep betting him. If he does eventually lose, I'll be up huge regardless. So Tapiria at number three, uh, minus one thirty-five. So uh, Will brought up a good one, Mateus Sheffield plus one sixty-five or Juan Adams, but both you and I were on it. I, I think I yeah. bet him uh, at worse odds than that, but still dog money. Yeah, I, I had I had like plus one eighty-five on that one. That was sweet. He closed like a pick him and looked like a good size favorite. And dude, your Tybura bet was a fucking masterful bet, masterful bet. Like even even let's say let's say the score of the fight a draw, you make that bet ten more times. You know you understand what I'm saying. So I, I think beautiful <laughs> bet. Um, yeah. So obviously you guys know how I feel about Arnold Allen. Cashed him plus one ten against Hooker, um, and cashed him, I think plus one ten or plus one fifteen against Cater. And you can blame it on the injury all you want, but, I mean, before the injury happened, I was smiling literally every second of that fight because the guy's just beautiful to watch, man. I just I just love Arnold Allen. So, And in the hooker fight, because um, I remember back in the day when I bet on Jason Knight, Jason Knight, my friend, at like plus 140, plus 150, plus 160 to beat Hooker because Hooker shouldn't fight at 145. <laughs> Um, Hooker decided to go back to 145, and now you're taking on one of the studs in the weight class, and the stud is dog odds. Yeah, so I loved Arnold there. I loved Arnold against Cater. Um, and keep giving me dog odds on Arnold, and uh, I will uh, I will keep betting him. So he's, yeah, he's up there. Yeah, I mean, I had him on um, Sadiq plus 126, I believe. That was not wow. this year, but that was um... – that was my experience betting on Arnold Allen. I obviously wish I did more often, but that, that's the one I can relate to. Um, next for me, Makachev, minus 148 against Charles Oliveira. Again, looked like a big favorite. Better striker, better wrestler. Submitted him too. Better cardio, I suspected. Didn't even need to get that far. Yeah, that was um, that was a great line in my opinion. Absolutely. I was on that as well. I mean, that's you know, I was talking about it on my show, like this might actually literally be the discount of the century. Re- reason being is, I mean, what do we normally pay for Islam Makachev? Minus 500, yeah. minus 675, minus 1200, whatever. When you get minus one something on Islam Makachev, like I was like, <laughs> Christmas came early. You know what I'm saying? Like, so 
Yeah, that was a massive discount. And now, with against Volk, who I actually think is a tougher matchup than Charles Dubronx, you know, he's back up to minus 300 or whatever, right? Something like that. He was minus, I got him like minus 160-something against Charles. Like, dude, that is, that is, that might actually be one of the all-time bets. Like, Islam minus 160 or minus 170 against Charles. Like, goddamn, that is an amazing bet. One I also really, really liked. And both these happened on the same night. First was Daniel Santos plus 175 over Castaneda. Um, you know, I actually bet on, on Daniel Santos in his debut against Arce the night that we were there. And I lost on that one. But I didn't I didn't give up on him. I still thought he had something. And then I took him against Castaneda plus 175 because Castaneda, you know, he's good, but his volume is super low. And there's one thing that we saw about Santos in that Arce fight. He's nonstop pressure just going forward the entire time. I was hoping he could eventually get to him and break him. That's exactly what he did. So I cashed a plus 175 straight on Daniel Santos there against Castaneda. That, that was an insane performance, dude. I, I, I will I will look back at that one as one of the crazier fights of 2022 for sure. Um, for me next, I'm going to go with Jake Matthews plus 160 versus Andre Fialho. Matthews nice. Close, close nice. the favorite there, so I got a ton of closing line value. I was like, look, I think Jake's the better technical striker. I think he has all the grappling upside. He's fought the better competition. Didn't even look to use his grappling upside. Went out there and Won the first round on the feet, knocked him out in round two. Obviously, had the one of the cooler moments of the year with the shrug after the knockout. That 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 one is uh, one of my more fond ones. Yeah, and I hate talking about passing on leans because no one wants to hear about that. But I'm actually utterly disgusted with myself for passing on Semmelsberger because I did not buy into the Jake Matthews 2.0 talk whatsoever. So I'm actually really pissed. I passed on Semmelsberger. But I, I was literally I'm I'm the same boat as you. And again, like no one wants to hear about it. But I even said like on my podcast, like I think at this point it's hard to justify this big price on Matthews. But anyway, you live and learn. We we've clearly both had plenty of great bets this year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And last but not least, um, my favorite bet was Yan Xiaonan plus two thirty-five against Mackenzie Dern. Man, I mean, like I bet Yan Xiaonan every single fight. I have the utmost confidence and belief in her. Actually, earlier this year, I bet her plus two fifty against Marina Rodriguez. Kind of thought I won, but like either way, one of those bets where you get plus two fifty on a split, and I'll make that bet ten times out of ten. So regardless who you scored it for, I was I was happy with that bet. Um, but I got it back plus 235 against Mackenzie Dern. I mean, I thought the fight was, you know, as long as she doesn't get submitted, I thought it was going to be an honest fight, and she didn't get submitted. She ended up in bad spots and survived them, so yeah. fucking awesome. I'm happy to see her progression compared to, like, the Carla fight where she got in those bad spots and she got ran through. Um, but I had faith because she had fought black belts in the past, like against Claudia Gadelia and survived bad spots there, so... Uh, I was hoping what happened with Carla wouldn't happen again. It didn't happen again, and uh, she cashed a plus 235. So I'd say that's my last favorite bet of 2022. Yeah, that was a sweet one. Um, great performance by her. Uh, for me, last one, I'm going to go with Dan Hooker over um, leg lock specialist Claudia. <laughs> that was like one of the most highly debated fights on Twitter of the year, I felt like. And I was just pretty damn sure I was going to be on the right side. I mean, 
it's always going to be a possibility. Obviously, when you're handicapping these fights, you have to picture a thousand iterations of it or 10,000 iterations of it. And I'm like, there's definitely times where playlist would debar him. I just don't think it happens at anywhere close to the clip that the odds imply. And on the feet, it's like night and day between who's better. So I was like, as long as Hooker can avoid getting leg locks, I'm, I'm in the clear here. And I was getting a lot of pushback on that line because I, I was like betting it and then it would go up and then someone else would bet it and it would come back down. It was kind of like a game of ping pong. And at the end of the day, he was clearly the right side. He looked like a big favorite. Avoided that knee bar. And playlist kind of got close in that first round at one point. I think he even tweaked uh, Hooker's knee. But I had a feeling Hooker was going to be fine there. And on the feet, he went to work and dominated. So that, that was a fun trip down memory lane. But those are some of my favorites. This is one of your favorites, too. When you bet Dustin Jacoby against Dowen Jung. That was an yeah, amazing that, that- that was my biggest bet of the year for sure. That was um, another one where I was getting pushed back on the line. I, I ended up with like, yeah, that ended up being my my biggest bet of the year. I ended up with like seven units on uh, Jacoby, which I've only went above three units, I think twice this year. And that was one of the times. And I, I, I think I had like five tipped and tracked, but I had seven personally. And it was just, I was at that fight in person and it was, it was sweet. So last but not least, before we get out of here, let's talk about, the champs this time next year. And if you don't have some for some of the weight classes, I understand because this, this is going to be tough and these can be bold and just do what you got to do. So I'm going to go first. I think the flyweight champ this time next year is going to be Alexandre Prant, uh, Pantoja. I'll tell you why. I think Davis and Figueredo, I think the weight cuts are getting too brutal. And I think win or lose against Moreno, I think that's probably going to be his last fight at flyweight. I think he's going to move up. Moreno on the other hand, I think uh, Pantoja's beat him twice. I think Pantoja might be super hungry here, and Moreno's got a lot of stuff going on. His coach is under investigation. I know he's working with my boy Safe Saud, which is a great replacement, but I don't know. I, I think Pantoja's got that hunger, and I think 2023 is his year. I think by the end of the year, he'll be the champ. Let's actually go back and forth. So that's my flyweight. Who's your flyweight? I don't have a strong opinion on that one. I think it could be Pantoja. It's one of those ones, like, this wouldn't surprise me if it's Figueredo, Moreno, Pantoja. Like, I don't know. If you put a gun to my head, I guess I'll say Figueredo because, like you said, he doesn't make the weight super often. So I think he probably will only have two fights at flyweight this year, maybe three. And it's one of those where, like, his his trilogy with Moreno has been interesting because I passed the first fight. I bet Moreno the second fight. I passed the third fight. I kind of feel like I'd lean towards Figgy in a, in a fourth fight. I don't know. I, I'm going to go with him. Um, w- would not surprise me if it, any of those three or four top guys. Bantamweight champion. This is going to be a controversial one, but I think that this time next year, Marlon Chito Vera is going to be the UFC Bantamweight champion. Like, I get it. Might not be the best striker, might not be the best grappler, but the guy's got something you can't teach. He's been he's been paying his dues for so many goddamn years, got the most finishes in the history of the weight class. And about the backpack situation, because we know how good Aljamain is at that. I saw Jose Aldo backpack Cheeto Vera. And I mean, Cheeto wasn't in danger of being finished. It seemed like, okay, we get to the next round and you get right back to work. So I think he can survive the backpack and then come back there and put it on Aljo, actually. so And I think also, I know these kind of terms are kind of, you know, whatever, like, you know, 
I just don't think he's going to be denied on the night. Kind of like Bisbing wasn't denied against uh, Rockhold. Kind of like you just see these legends have their moments, like Glover, etc. Like I think when you pay your dues to this extent, I just think the universe is going to align and let Cheeto Vera be champ. Yeah, for me, this is interesting because I think Aljamain Sterling has had his hardest fight already with Jan. And I don't think that Jan could get back to a title shot in 2023 unless everything goes perfect for him. Because you have guys like O'Malley at the top of the division. You have Marab up there. You have um, Cejudo coming back, allegedly. So I th- And you have Marlon Vera up there and even guys like Corey Sanhagen are never that far off. I don't think Jan gets back to the title this year. And I think Sterling matches up really, really well with Sean O'Malley. And he's never going to fight. Rob's never going to fight him. And then I think he matches up. I, Vera might be a better, a harder fight for him than O'Malley, even though it's one of those things where it's like styles make fights. And I think style-wise, Vera might be the harder fight. But I do still favor Sterling there. I think Sterling, it, if you're not a Peter Jan level um, grappling defense, it's it's really, really hard to beat him and to even contend with him. And even if you are in that level of defense, Sterling's distance striking metrics are really, really good. Like he's outlanded guys like 190 to 90. Like he, he puts up great volume. He's athletic. He's a strong wrestler, strong top game. I, I think he's still the champ this time next year to some people's surprise. So featherweight. This has been this is the toughest one for me. Um, because I could totally see Volk still being champ this time next year, but we don't know what's gonna happen in the Islam fight. Then there's the interim fight between you know Josh Emmett and Yair. So one of those guys could be champ, but I kind of see Volk beating both of them. But I think Arnold Allen, if he can make it to a title shot, I just think he's sneaky as hell. But I'm not ready to predict that yet because I don't know how the logistics are gonna work. So I'm just gonna play this one safe and say Volk is still champ this time next year. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you because Volk is moving up to 155. I th- I personally think he's going to lose that fight. Either way, it's like if he's coming back down to 45, he's going to need a lot of time. He's going to need time to recover from the fight. He's going to need time to get back down to the weight. So I really only see him fighting at 145 once this year, maybe twice. And I think he'd be a pretty comfortable favorite against any of those guys. I think, um, I think Volk's still the champ this time next year. And lightweight. I mean, I don't see anybody touching uh, this man Islam right now. Maybe down the line, but right now, no. I mean, listen, I love my my Poirier's, my Chandler's, my Gaethje's, but, you know, that's not happening. So now we got to talk about the next wave, the Fizivs, the Sarukians, the the Jalen Turners, you know, all these guys. Like, okay, you know, maybe I'm just not quite sure they're going to make it to the title shot by the time next year ends. I say Islam keeps the belt next year. Yeah, I think unless McGregor comes back and knocks him out. No, I'm just kidding. I think, <laughs> I think Islam's still the champ this time next year. I think he – I mean, if you look at the rankings, number one contender, Oliveira, he just looked like a big favorite. Poirier, he'd look like a big favorite. Gaethje, he would look like a big favorite. Dariush, I think, is probably one of the harder matchups for mm-hmm. him. But I still would favor Islam there. Fazayev, I think Makachev would take him down and grind him out. And then as you start going up and up, those are guys that probably won't get a title shot next year. So, yeah, I'm going with Islam. You heard me say earlier in the show that he's my number one pound for pound. So I I think he keeps his title next year. It's my controversial one for 70s. You guys already know what it is. You guys know what time it is. Bilal Muhammad is going to be the UFC welterweight champ in 2023. Keep counting him out. It's his time now. 
And uh, I think he's going to get it done. I think this guy's got insane work ethic. I think another guy that's not going to be denied. Another guy always counted out. And I'm riding that train until the wheels fall off, period, point blank. So either going to be dead right or dead wrong. Uh, And I know most think I'm going to be dead wrong, but I'm going to say it. I'm taking Bilal to be the welterweight champion in 2023. Yeah, that's bold. I, I I don't know, man. Like, I'm the opposite of you where it's like, all right, I've been counting Bilal out and it's like all right if I was counting him out against Luke and uh against Thompson I gotta count him out here against Usman and Colby and Chemaev this one for me is pretty wide open because obviously they're running that back between Usman and Edwards next so it's like okay if he knocks out or sorry if Usman beats Leon do they do that fight again because like it's kind of a weird one because it's like Usman talks about retiring sometimes like Colby's always knocking at the door of getting another title shot. So it's like if Edwards wins again, I would favor Colby against Edwards. It's like if Chemayev's probably one win away, and Chemayev obviously has barely even looked like he has any flaws whatsoever in his game. This is to me is going to be the most interesting one. If there was only, if I could only watch one weight class in 2023, this would be the one. I guess gun to my head, this is tough. Gun to my head, I will say that. Shemaev is the champ at the end of next year. So what's interesting about that is I agree with you. However, I think it's going to be up a weight class. I think Shemaev is going to be the champ okay. at 185, not 170. I mean, yeah, I, I think he'd beat Pereira right now, honestly, or Adesanya. Yeah, so that's my, my prediction. I think Shemaev wins the middleweight belt. Damn, do I really get bold here and predict the double champ? Fuck it. Yeah, I'm going with Chamayev. I mean, I think he beat Pereira. If they fought next weekend, I, I would line Chamayev as, like, a good size favorite against Pereira. Pereira doesn't knock him out on the first exchange. Like, Chamayev's going to take him down, and he's not going to get up. So he's Pereira's either going to be finished in round one, or he's going to be completely compromised for round two and probably have one more chance to knock him out before getting ragdolled again. Adesanya, I, I think similar. I, I mean, I like Adesanya a lot. I've bet on him multiple times in the past, but I think Chimaev is just all wrong for him. And Chimaev, even though he, I think he can make 170, I think he's the frame for 185 if he really commits to it. I, I would like to see him do that because I think that's his, I think he has an easier path to the, the championship at 185 than he does at 170. Some, someone said a shaft cat, welterweight champ. He's got a big fight with Neil. Let's see. Let's see. He's gonna be up there. That's for sure. If he wins this fight, yeah, um, he'll be in. He'll be in the mix definitely. Um, all right. So next up, what weight class we got? We got two hundred five. I mean, come on, y'all know who I'm picking at two hundred five. Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. And the funny thing about it is, I made some bets with friends that um, that Jamal Hill would win a belt before Anka Live, and I know how fucking pissed they are right now because yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, I might be pissed if Jamal loses next month, but I'm just saying um, the fact that it went the way it did. And I had a big bet on Anka Live is the funny part about it, just to win against Jan. Um, but now I might cash out on this. Like, listen, I've just, since day one, I've been on the Jamal train. I've been on him every single UFC fight as well. Um, when you see, like I said, a guy that's six foot four, but he, he's got that one hitter quitter. I mean, you saw the way he launched Jimmy Crew. I mean, Jimmy Crew has lost some fights, but no one's ever done him like that. The Johnny Walker knockout, like Johnny Walker may be kind of chinny, but like the way he went flying was like, yo, you saw the heart Jamal showed in the Tiago Santos fight. And then also you've seen that he can land over hundred significant strike. He can throw the, the strike counts of a little dude and he's fucking huge. So he's got everything I like. 
Um, and Glover, obviously, we love Glover. It's in Brazil. It's like to win this belt, you're gonna have to truly take it. And I'm not gonna get off the train here. So I'm gonna go Jamal Hill to be the UFC uh, 205 uh, champion in 2023. Yeah, I mean that one surprised me. And full transparency, I have not watched the Ankalaya versus Jan fight yet, so I, I do not know what happened other than what people told me. I was I was so pissed off after I lost on Gordon versus Pimlet that I just went to bed. So I haven't seen it yet. So this is me predicting without having seen that fight, because I'm still gonna go with Ankalaya. I just think he's the most well-rounded guy there. I mean, with Hill and Glover, it's just a fight I could see going either way. Hill could knock him out. Glover could grind him out and wrestle him, submit him potentially. But I actually have underestimated Hill's grappling in the past. So that's just a fight I'm looking forward to as a fan in general, not with a super strong opinion. And then Jiri, I mean, who knows with his shoulder? Like, he could – Dana White said he's going to get a title shot when he comes back. So it could be November, December of next year. And all of a sudden, Erie's in a title fight in which he's probably decent, like, I don't know, plus 200. So it's like, could you really be making that bad of a bet if you're picking Erie? But I think Ankaliyev, more well-rounded. He doesn't make mistakes, very technically sound. I'm going to go with him. I like his cardio over five rounds. I think a big thing for him is just fighting with a proper game plan. So I'm going to go with Ankaliyev for 205. And then for heavyweight, this is the toughest one for me because it's like I want to pick Nganu, the baddest man on the planet. Like if Aspinall didn't have that injury, man, I was super high on Aspinall. And I still am. It's just I don't know how he's going to come back from that. Like it seemed to go down in 16 seconds with a knee injury, like, you know, who knows if he's even if he's even going to fight next year, right? Yeah, not the minor kind of knee injury either. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Gon's always in the mix. I could see them running it back one day. Um, uh, John Jones, if he decides to show his face, you know, but since I don't have anything definitive, hopefully Nganu works out his stuff with the UFC and he can be the champ this time next year. Yeah, I'm going to pick Francis here too. I think um... – Obviously, we talked about the Gan versus Nganu fight. I think Nganu is the favorite if they fight again. I think he probably beats Gan, maybe worse, even if he's fully healthy. But obviously, a question mark there with his health, with his contract, his speech with the UFC. Stipe, haven't heard from him. John Jones, I've heard a lot about him coming back, but nothing set in stone. Blades and Ganu, we've seen it happen twice. Aspinall coming back off the injury. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with Nganu again for this time next year. And then in the women's divisions, I mean, I've been riding the Yan Shanahan train since day one, better every single fight, and I'll continue to better every single fight. Really want to see her and Wiley Zhang run it. Um, so I'm going Yan Shanahan. And then uh, for 25s, here's where it gets interesting because there's such a big weakness at the top uh, with the grappling. I mean, don't get me wrong. Valentina can grapple. I'm just saying, can she grapple like Aaron Blanchfield? I'm not convinced. I actually think, I mean, you saw who Aaron's fighting next, right? If Aaron beats Tyler Santos, she is going to get a title shot. And if she gets a title shot, I think she's got the goods to dethrone the great Valentina. And next week, I'm going to be doing my boldest predictions for 2023. And I'll just give a spoiler alert. One of those bold predictions is Valentina Shevchenko will be dethroned in 2023. And uh, Andrew, I think, Aaron Blanchfield is going to be the one to do it. So I'm going Yan Shanahan and Blanchfield to be my two women's champs. I don't know about the Nunes weight class because it's like, is Nunes going to retire or not? So I don't, I'll just go Nunes by default, but 
no confidence, but I really love my other bold picks for Xiaonan and Blanchfield. Yeah, those are two solid ones. For me, he, he took the words right out of my mouth. Blanchfield's my pick to be the 125 champ next time, this time next year as well. I mean, she's ranked number 10. Or, yeah, she's ranked number 10 right now. She's getting a fight with number two. If she wins that, she, which I think she's going to, I'm picking her to win. I haven't seen any odds for it yet, but that, that she, I'm picking her out, right? Um, I think she matches up well with Valentina. So that, that's a fun one because it's going to be really interesting. For the longest time, Valentina was just kind of running through everyone. I mean, we saw her fight against Jukagian, um, Lauren Murphy. And it's like, all right, now we, we're getting some people here that really, really signify the evolution of the sport since when Valentina first became champ. And I think Blanchfield and Santos are prime examples of that you have uh, Mano Firo in the mix, but I'm going with Blanchfield for 25, 15. I have no idea, man. It just so depends on like the the matchups and the timing. Like we've seen Rose get her hand raised against Zhang twice, but we've seen Zhang beat Esparza while we saw Rose not even fight against Esparza. You've got Amanda Lemos not too far off the top. Marina Rodriguez, Yan Shonan. Uh, I I mean this is tough. I guess by default I'll say Zhang because I feel like she's getting better too. Whereas I feel like some of those other fighters are more finished products. Like a, a Carla is a more finished product. A Rose is a more finished product. A Lamos is a more finished product. Well, I do see improvement from improvement by Zhang in her fight. So that's not a confident one, but I'm going Zhang 15, 25. I'm going Blanchfield 35. Same exact thoughts as you, Nunes, until proven otherwise. All right. And last but not least, before we get out of here, I got one more that I didn't tell you about. So I'm going to tell you about it now. So... I, I want to give this out. You don't have to give one out, but I want to give out an award for the 2022 MMA Handicapper of the Year. So basically, this is a guy who, you know, isn't out here doing 14 parlays and then acting like he's God's gift to, to betting. This is, this is a guy that's betting underdogs, consistently beating the closing line, doing things the right way. And I have guys who are, you know, sports betting geniuses, prodigies, telling me that this man is legitimate sharp so ladies and gentlemen the 2022 half the battle mma handicapper of the year goes to the man andrew gombas uh bro that's so funny you said that look i'm gonna pull up my notes right now i have comeback better of the year Dan Levy, I was going to say at the end, let me throw in an extra category. I mean, I've told you this privately, but I want to say it publicly as well. I mean, like super, super impressive year. I'm looking at your page right now, up more than 50 units with a 25% return, which is freaking unheard of. That's coming off of the worst year you've ever had, where it seemed like you were second guessing yourself, where you told me you were second guessing yourself. And just to come back and have a year like that, I mean, it's insane, dude. So can't say enough good things. Again, appreciate the love. Appreciate you having me on. We're going to go on to do big, big things next year and beyond. Obviously, I mean, dude, we've been doing this now. What was this, like your seventh or eighth year? Yeah, I'm seven and one, so eighth year. Eighth year. This was my fifth year tracked. I mean, I remember back when I was in college, I tweeted at you and a couple other people saying like, hey, keep an eye out. From I was like probably 20 years old saying like, hey, I'm going to be um, a guy to look out for in the future. And you showed me a lot of respect back then, which I've always, always appreciated. So super fun coming on here, doing this end of the year show. Definitely looking forward to seeing what you have in the future. And yeah, let's do this again sometime, maybe even next year. Hopefully we both crush it again. And uh, yeah, let's keep the money flowing and the good times rolling. Absolutely. And it was good to hang out in Florida too. That was fun. Yeah. We, hopefully we can do that again as well. Hopefully the UFC goes back to Jacksonville in April. 
Definitely. So for all the fans watching, thank you all so much. Do me a huge favor. Smash the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, I'll be back uh, actually next week to talk about the boldest predictions. You can follow Andrew at um, Bets and Picks MMA. For some reason, why is, it, why is it like hard for everyone to say that fucking name? I don't know. It's funny because I feel like that's one of like the generic like MMA better names. Like, but I was like, all right, what's a good name? I actually, I just got the notification on my phone. It was five years since I made the account, um, my Twitter account, like the other day. I used to have like MMA knockout bets as the title. And then I started working for CBS and they wanted me to use my real name, but it took me back. I was like, what's a good, what's a good name for MMA bets? I was like, that's some picks MMA. And so I've kind of just stuck with that ever since. Obviously I like using my real name and face because it's better interacting with people but i have fond memories of being a college kid being like all right i want to be an mma better what, what's a good name bets and picks mma you ever thought about going andrew gombas mma yeah i i pretty much was like all right i have a betting page so i was like i'll just make it my name and then bets and we'll, and we'll roll with that and I, i've enjoyed that more because it's like like i said it's more personal obviously I, I wasn't doing like podcasts and putting out content back then but now that i'm doing it obviously like making friends on here have, building relationships much better doing it with my real name and face for sure so everybody follow him bets and picks mma on twitter you can find all his stuff there follow me best fight picks subscribe Everywhere podcasts are found. Also, after this, leave me a comment. All that stuff helps the algorithm. They like to talk about the likes, the subscribes. You guys do us a huge favor by doing that. Again, I'll be back next week to uh, talk about my boldest predictions for 2023. I'll have a special guest doing that. And then the week after, I'm going to literally recap every single bet I made in 2022, win, loss, and just you know dissect the record, try to learn from it. And just try to give, uh, give you guys uh, content during this break. So appreciate all the support as always. Um, is there stuff to bet on in the next week? Because I, I like to say let's cash these bets, but I'm not sure what there is to bet on. Yeah, MMA-wise, bet online, put a couple odds up for like Octagon 38, ACA 150. Nothing I'm interested in, but hopefully if um, hopefully people can get over for a month or so just betting football and hockey and basketball, just be sure to be smart with your money over that time period. Don't forget where the, where the real money is made and uh, always use good bankroll management. Always and discipline and guys, thanks again. So until the next time, let's cash these bets. Let's do it.